We are in Yavamos in the last line on Lamates Amar Beis on 39b4 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We were discussing the dispute between Abba Shaul and the Rabbanan, whether or not there is an obligation to have the proper intent when doing the mitzvah of Yibam. According to Abba Shaul, one cannot do the mitzvah of Yibam when they have ulterior motives, uh, whether that's because they're doing Yibam because uh, the brother-in-law wants to marry the sister-in-law for her beauty, or because he wants to be known as a married person, uh, that would not work according to Abishol. According to the Rabbanan, according to the other opinion, it would work. The Gemara then continued to discuss a brysa. And <clears throat> essentially it was a, it was a vague brysa. Uh, but the brysa said that originally uh, the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, they could marry before she married her brother. Once she married her brother, she then becomes forbidden. Uh, to to her brother-in-law. And then once the husband passes away without children, so then it becomes permissible. However, there is some sort of difference from before she originally married her husband, that there is some sort of change, and there's, there's, there's a difference. And we explained the Brisa both according to Abishol and according to the Rabbanan. One explanation was that according to Abishol, originally before she married her husband, she was allowed to marry the brother-in-law, who was not the brother-in-law at the time, uh, in any, for any reason whatsoever, for whatever reason they want to get married, if it's so that they have the name that they're married, if it's uh, for the beauty, whatever the reason is, it's allowed. Once uh, it's a situation of Yibam, it has to be specifically with the proper intention. That's the opinion of Abishol. The Rabbanan, the other opinion, said that no, that uh, originally, the idea is that because the Rabbanan, they do not feel that it's necessary to have the proper intention, uh, they felt, they understood the Brisa to mean that originally they could get married, or they could choose to get married or not to get married. It's up to them completely, and there's there's no pressure one way or the other. Uh, once it's a situation of Yibam, so then we, uh, then the Torah really recommends doing Yibam. If they're not able to do Yibam for whatever reason, so then they're allowed to do Chalitza. However, we do recommend doing Yibam, we do recommend them getting married, as opposed to before that she ever married her actual husband. It was their choice whether or not to marry without any sort of pressure one way or the other. Once it's a situation of Yibam, so then we do recommend Yibam over Chalitza. Uh, that was the Brisa. The Gemara now asks a question in reading the Brisa according to Abishol based on a different part of the Brisa. That same Brisa has a different part that has nothing to do with Yibam, but it's a similar uh, back and forth. And so it has to be parallel to the case of Yibam, as we will see in the Gemara. So the Gemara essentially, it says as follows, Eimah what about the beginning of the Brisa? Some have the version, it's the end of the Brisa, it's a question whether it's the beginning or the end, but it's in the Brisa itself. Eimah Matos Te'achel B'makom Kadosh. The verse says, with regards uh, to Karbanos, this has to do with Karbanos, with sacrifices, and about the fact that what what is left of a Korban Mincha, of a flower offering, the Kohen is allowed to eat, but it says that it has to be eaten as matzah in a holy place. In a holy place, meaning in the in the base of Megdash. So it says mitzvah. The Bryce says it's a mitzvah. And the Bryce continues in a similar fashion that we have had that we saw in the last week's recording with regards to Yibam. It says, Originally, it was completely permissible to eat this flower. Nasra, then it became forbidden. Once they designated it as part of and they were makdashit as, as part of the process for Korbanos, so then it becomes forbidden to the Kohen. 
the chazer v'hutra, and then once it becomes a leftover, uh, part of the flower offering is brought onto the mizbeach. It's burnt on the mizbeach, but whatever's left over, the kohen is allowed to eat. And so maybe it should go back to its original heter, the, just like it was permissible before it was set aside for korbanos. So, so too, it should be the same exact type of permissibility with regards to the leftovers that the kohen is allowed to eat. No, says the Pasuk, there's, a, there's something unique and different uh, now that it went through this whole process of being the leftovers of a korban. So Yomaris explains as follows, I understand according to the Rabbanon, I understand according to Rav, who explained the Brisa according to the Rabbanon, Basically, according to Rava, when it comes to Yibam, when it comes to Yibam, originally, before she got married, she had the option of marrying the brother-in-law or not. Once it's a situation of Yibam, so then we recommend doing Yibam. That's how we would explain the Bryso for the Yibam case. So then we could also understand with regards to the Menachos case, with regards to the case of the flower offering, that originally, before this was designated for Karbanos, a person could choose to eat it or choose not to eat it. It's their choice. Uh, but once it's brought as a Karban, and then there's leftover uh, of the flower offering, so then it's their choice whether or not to eat it. The Gemara says it's their choice whether or not to eat it. The Pasuk says that they have to eat it in order for there to be complete kapara, complete forgiveness, uh, that comes out of this korban, and that was the purpose of bringing the korban to, to, for the owners of the korban to have kapara, to, to, to be forgiven. In order to do this, the kohanim have to eat it. The kohanim have to eat it. So what it means is, is that definitely it has to be eaten. The question is, the kohen who was involved in this process, in this service itself, does he specifically have to be the one who eats it or not? Just like before it was designated as a korban, anybody could eat this, this, uh, the, this flower. Anybody could eat. Now that it's designated as a korban and it was brought, uh, and there are some leftovers from, from what was brought, and it could be eaten by the kohen, so who should eat it? Does it have to be specific, specifically the kohen who was involved, or it could be any kohen? So the Torah is telling us, no, specifically the one who was involved, he should be the one that eats it. Ideally, the kohen that was involved, he should eat uh, he should eat the leftovers. And that's the, that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is for him to eat it and not another, uh, and not another Kohen. So that all makes sense according to the explanation of the Rabbanon. Because the Rabbanon, they explain that the idea of Yibam is similar. The idea of Yibam is that you have two options. You can marry, you cannot marry before she, she married her actual husband. Now that there's a situation of Yibam, so we recommend and we highly prefer doing Yibam according to the Rabbanon. We recommend and highly prefer, uh, doing Yibam. However, if we explain it according to Abishol, the way we explained it according to Abishol by Yibam was not about whether or not you should you should get married, but it was what is your prop, what intention, what kavana do you have, what's your motivation? So how did, what does that have to do with korbanos? What exactly does that have to do with korbanos? Uh, as the Gemara is going to say right now, by korbanos it seems to be that by korbanos you do not have to have the proper intention. We do not require the proper intention by korbanos. You could. Uh, eat the korban without having the proper intention, and you would fulfill the mitzvah. So how does this connect to Abishal? These are two cases that are found all within the same one b'risa. 
uh, we would think that there should be some sort of parallel between the two cases, that Abishal, when he's discussing intention uh, by Yibam, he should also be discussing intention when it comes to this case of the Karbanos. So that's the question that the Gemara has. The Gemara says, who explained that the Bryce is according to Abishal, over here, what are the two different types of intentions that we are referring to? And as the Rishonim explain, uh, if if a person does not have the right intention with regards to the Karbanos, it's still fine. It's still completely fine. By Yibam Abishol says you need to have the proper intention, but by Karbanos, you don't need to have the proper intention. So just as one point, uh, the Achronim, the later commentators, they ask, what are you talking about? There's a whole discussion. Do mitzvahs need Kavana or not? Do you need to, in order to fulfill a mitzvah, do you need to have the proper intent that you that you know that you are fulfilling a mitzvah? So this whole Gemara is, is sort of ignoring this discussion because the Gemara is assuming here that by Karbanos, when it comes to eating the Karban, which is mitzvah, one doesn't need the proper intent. So why not? Why wouldn't you need the proper intent? So there are many different answers that are given. Uh, I will just share one answer, uh, one answer that is given with regards to this issue, and that is found by the base of Levi. He explains... That when it comes to karbanos, the mitzvah is very different. When it comes to, let's say, Pesach, there's a mitzvah on each individual that they have to eat matzah. They have to eat marah. There's an obligation for each individual to eat it. He says that when it comes to a korban, when it comes to a sacrifice and to eat the parts of the korban, the mitzvah is not on the individual to eat it. A specific individual to eat it. The mitzvah is that the korban should be eaten. as It's necessary to eat the korban. But it's not a mitzvah achila. There's no mitzvah for an individual to go and eat it. The mitzvah is not on the individual eating it, but the mitzvah is for the food to be consumed. And since the mitzvah is for the food to be consumed, therefore one doesn't need the proper intent. One only needs the proper intent when the mitzvah is on you to perform a mitzvah, so you have to have proper intent. But the mitzvah here is not on you to perform the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to make sure that it gets eaten properly. Uh, so now that you have to make sure that it gets eaten properly, but the eating itself is not the mitzvah, so therefore you do not need proper intent. So this is a very important point, which has ramifications beyond just this issue of the base Halevi. But either way, either way, the point of the Gemara now is to try to figure out this brisa, uh by, by the Karban Mincha. It's trying to figure out, well, what are the two different options that we are referring to by Abishal? Because Abishal says it has to do with not just should you eat it, should you not eat it, but it has to do with intent. So the Gemara gives three different suggestions. The Gemara will, will reject the first two suggestions, but it will maintain the third suggestion. So suggestion number one. If you can tell me maybe what's your intent, I'm eating this because I enjoy eating it and I'm hungry. That's fine. Um, or is it that, and that I could do before it's uh, it's a korban, or I could eat it when I'm uh, when I'm full, when I'm uh, what we refer to as achile gasa, when I'm satiated and I really don't need to eat anymore. Um, so before it was a korban, so I could do whatever I want. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. But now that it's a korban, maybe I could only eat it in a state of where I'm hungry and not where I'm satiated. But who said, the Gemara says that that can't be the two options because we never allow, the Gemara says a very important point, we never allow one to fulfill the mitzvah of achila, of eating, when it is an achila gasa, when one person is already fully satiated and they do not need to eat anymore. Because somebody who is, let's say, they are totally full from eating before Yom Kippur. They're not hungry. The moment Yom Kippur starts, 
if they were to eat, have another bite, that would be just uh, eating when a person is no longer hungry, when they're really not hungry. And Rish Lakish says that a person is exempt, one has not violated Yom Kippur, of eating on Yom Kippur, because that is not called eating. When a person's eating, when they are already full, that is not called eating. And so the point of the Gemara here is to say that we it, you cannot explain the Brisa with regards to eating the Korban as two options. One option is to eat when you're hungry. One option is to eat when you're no longer hungry. Because even when a person eats when, a person eats when they're no longer hungry, this is a general rule, they have not fulfilled the mitzvah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. They have not even fulfilled the prohibition of eating on Yom Kippur when a person eats when they are totally satiated. Um, and so the Gemara says that can't be the two options because this is a general rule. We wouldn't need a verse to tell me one way or the other. This is a general rule. One, has n- one does not fulfill the mitzvah of eating whenever they have to eat, whether it's Pesach night, uh, whether it's a korban. Uh, there's different times when there's a mitzvah to eat something, uh, something specific, not just a, a Shabbos meal or something, but let's say something spe- specific like matzah or mara or, or a korban or a sacrifice. Um, one does not fulfill the mitzvah when they are when they're eating uh, once they are full. Uh, so just to point out, uh, as a side note, and then we'll continue on in the Gemara, uh, Tosos and some of the other commentators, they explain that there are really two different types of Achille Gasa, two different types of this uh, eating when a person's full. And they point out that there's a type of eating where you had your whole meal, you're no longer hungry, but you can have dessert, you can still have dessert. It's not like you are overly stuffing yourself when you are having dessert. It's You're no longer hungry, you don't need to eat anymore, but you could eat. You could still eat. So that, says Tosvos, is, uh, would be a fulfillment of the mitzvah. However, the other, the type of achille gasa where one does not fulfill the mitzvah is when one, uh, is totally full. Uh, they don't, they, they should not eat anymore. And really, eating more is just overdoing it. It's really overdoing it. So that is the type of achille gasa, explains Tosvos, uh, that, uh, that would not fulfill a mitzvah. Why wouldn't it fulfill a mitzvah? So Rashi explains it wouldn't fulfill a mitzvah because it's called mazik. It's called it's, it's not a, it's not eating. It's damaging yourself. It's really damaging yourself, and that's why it's not a mitzvah. Others explain because it's not the normal way to eat. In order to fulfill the mitzvah, you have to eat in the normal way. This is not the normal way to, to eat. Either way, be it as, be it as, as it may, so it is. Um, it, it it does not fulfill the mitzvah. And that's the point of the Gemara here. It would not fulfill the mitzvah. Others just. Others do disagree with Tosos, but uh, this is the explanation of Tosos that there are really these two different types of achile gasa. One is where uh, you can still have the dessert, you're not hungry, but you can still have the dessert where one would fulfill the mitzvah. The other one is where one is really um, completely uh, full and it would be damaging to have more. Uh, so it says the Gemara as follows. So what, is, what are the two different options? So suggestion number two, we have suggestion number two of the three. Maybe the, the suggestion is beforehand, before when it was first flour, before it was designated for the base of I could have it as matzah, I could have it as chametz. It could also be chametz. Uh, now that it's designated for the base of Mikdash, and this korban, for the korban mincha, it has to be specifically matzah. Maybe I, the, the Pasuk is telling me that I have to have it as matzah, and not as chametz. And that's what they had it as. They had it as matzah when it was in the base of Mikdash. But the Gemara says, no, why do I need a special Pasuk for that? The Pasuk says that a person should not bake chametz. And then the next word is uh, from their portion. Meaning even not just that which goes on the Mizbeach on the altar and is burnt on the, on the altar cannot come from chametz. But even, it says Rish Lakish, even that which the Kohanim eat cannot be made of chametz. And that's a separate Pasuk. That's a separate verse. So that can't be the two options in which our verse that we're discussing, 
uh, is discussing a case of chametz or matzah because that's a separate verse that already proved to us that one cannot have chametz as the as the leftover. So the Gemara gives suggestion number three, and this is the the final suggestion and a way to read the price according to Abishal. Ella ratza matzah ochla ratza chalid ochla. Rather, uh, the option is that beforehand, before it was a korban, you could eat it as matzah, or you could eat it as not just baking it, but you could boil it first and then bake it. And then that would also be sufficient. But now uh, that you uh, brought it as a korban, now you could only have it as matzah, where it was only baked, but not boiled and then baked afterwards. Uh, it would have to be baked only, not boiled beforehand. So the says, well, hold on a second. This type of matzah, where it was boiled and then baked, what exactly is it? If it's defined as matzah, so then it should be included in matzah, and you should be able to have it uh, as the leftover flour from the korban. And if it's not matzah, matzah is omer If it's not matzah, we already said earlier that you can't have chametz. If it's if it's chametz, it's chametz. What is this chalat? What is this in between that our pasuk now is telling us? No, matzah you can have and not chalat, and not uh, something which is boiled and then baked. So the Gemara says. Really, it is matzah. Really, it is matzah. Really, if it was boiled and then baked, it is matzah. And that, but the pasuk is telling us when it comes to karbanas, the leftover of the menachos of the flour offering, you cannot make it into a bagel. Basically, you cannot boil it and then bake it. That is not allowed. You have to only bake it into matzah. It has to be baked matzah. It cannot be boiled and then baked matzah. And that's something which is unique to the karbanos. To karbanos. Uh, so the Gemara asks, So then with regards to which halacha do we say that if it's boiled and then baked, it is matzah? We just said that for korbanos, where you need to have matzah for the leftover of the flour offering, you cannot have it boiled and then baked. So with regards to which halacha do we say that it has to be, that it would work to boil and then bake it? Uh, and it would be viewed as matzah. So the Gemara answers, uh, the Gemara says that the case is on Pesach night to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah. It says that you could boil it and then bake it because it's still viewed as lechem oni. For matzah, we need it to be lechem oni, poor man's bread. It would still be viewed as poor man's bread and a person could fulfill their mitzvah of matzah on Pesach night if they first boiled it and then baked it. But in the end of the day, that concludes the Gemara up to the Mishnah. The point of the Gemara was really trying to figure out how to read this Brisa, even according to Abishal. Abishal said that uh, with regards to the Yibam, it's about two different intentions, if you have the right intention. And the Gemara now continues to explain how the other part of the Brisa, which has to do with the Korbanos, and that the leftover of the Mincha offering, there has to be two different options, and that uh, the Brisa is saying that no, only one of the options work, and the conclusion is saying that you had two different options, either to have matzah baked alone, or first have it boiled and then baked. And the point of the Pasuk, the point of the verse, is to teach us that with regards to korbanos, it has to be baked only. With regards to matzah and Pesach, you can have it boiled and then uh, baked, and it's still viewed as lechem oni, as poor man's bread. Okay, we will continue in the next recording with a new Mishnah.